0: For more information, visit ministry127.com and subscribe to the Ministry 127 podcast for more practical lessons for today's Christian worker. The session you're about to hear is on becoming an educator with a ministry heart with Ken Jones. Ken Jones has been in the ministry for 38 years. 31 of those years have been spent in Christian education, with 18 of those years being at Lancaster Baptist School.
1: When I was given this topic, Becoming an Educator with a Ministry Heart, I thought, well, doesn't everybody have a ministry heart? If you're a school teacher, obviously you do. Then I forget being here as long as I have been here. I had to think back on the other ministries I've been in and long ago with other people that I've worked with. Then I began to realize that just because you're an educator uh, doesn't necessarily mean you are active in the church. I look at this word educator. I think I've been teaching for about 15 years before I even knew what an educator was. I was just a school teacher. And that's all I ever thought of myself is just I'm a teacher. I go in and I teach the class. But why is it we would even have a workshop like this that we would have to encourage teachers to have a ministry heart? And I had to begin to think back, how could it be that a teacher could drift from that? Uh, you, I don't know what kind of... Tr- where you work or what kind of Christian school you work at, or what it's associated with, I'm going to make the assumption that everybody that's in, in our, you might say, our way of thinking works at a Christian school or is a member of a church with a Christian school, that it is a local church school. And I got back to thinking, when I first got into the ministry in the 1970s in the Christian education rather, I mean to think that I worked for a church that never really pushed I worked for the church. I mean, I was a Christian school teacher. But they never really gave me other responsibilities than that. You know, I had to show up at 8 o'clock to, to teach my classes. And then about 3, 3.30, I went home. Uh, they didn't have any kind of a bus ministry, so I didn't have to be there on a Saturday. So basically, when I left on a Friday afternoon, I didn't come back to church until Sunday morning. It wasn't a church that had a lot going on. And after a while, you begin to find out you become disconnected. So if you're in a school that is not really active in the church, and they don't give you a lot of church responsibility, you tend to become disconnected in that respect. I think another way uh, we kind of drift from that ministry heart is that you get busy. Mother Coates and I, I think back when we first started teaching downtown, you know, we get done about maybe 2.30. We, we had to mop the bathrooms and vacuum the halls and so on. And then about 3 o'clock, we could grab a map and many times go out door-knocking. It was uncommon in those days to knock 100, 200 doors a week because our classes were small. The school was small. Uh, we just had a, lot of more t- we had a lot more free time on our hands. Then the school began to grow, and uh, a lot more happened. And now it's very difficult for us to even get off to campus uh, by 5 o'clock, let alone go out and go door knocking. Uh, we, we are in our classrooms at 7.30, and we leave when basically we're finished, which sometimes around 5, could be 5.30 or so. Because the ministry has grown. we From uh, less than 100 students, we have several hundred. Uh, we do a lot of tutoring. There's just a lot more involved, a lot more administration. And so we find ourselves, and I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes the church, when they want you to do something on that side, can almost be an annoyance. You know, Man, I've got all this stuff i got to do. I've got all these papers I've got to grade. I've I got to do this. I've got to do that. And it's easy to, to see the church as almost something i, I just got to do because I'm really focused in uh, to the school. And it comes down to where the school becomes the tail that wags the dog. Uh, you just get so busy, and, and, and you know what it's like to grade papers and, and just all that have all that, those duties that go with it. Then on top of that, you know, you have your sports program and so on. And the school, the, I should say the church, almost gets pushed aside. So how is it we can keep that ministry hard? Now keep in mind, when you hired in, you really were hired by the church. Uh, when I was in Bible college uh, back in the 60s, we, one of the courses we had to do was church finance. And in those days, of course, we didn't have computers. And so what we did is we had, they made us buy these spreadsheets. And we had to fill them out and put all the – I never did figure all that out. But they gave us this concept at that time about really all the money goes into this imaginary box. And then the money is distributed from that. And when you think about that in the local church, everything on this property basically is through the church. The school is not separate. Back in the nineteen sixties, early seventies, they, they were training us to incorporate your school separately from the church. And the idea was that if the church if the school went bankrupt, it would not hurt your church. And then the IRS stepped in and said, Then your church and your school are two separate entities and they wanted to start regulating. Then we realized, no, we can't do that, so we've got to keep everything under the church. And so what it is, we have to understand that when I hired in, though I hired in primarily to teach school, I really was hired in to be a help to the pastor in the area of Christian education. I have to remember that the church is, in a sense, the main thing. That's who I work for. Take a look at your outline there. And I used a term that our pastor has used, and I think it it goes well with this subject. And you have a large Roman numeral there, and I don't know what your outline actually says. But I, I have down here, I can add value by modeling ministry before my church. I'm going to use this term, adding value. In other words, my job is to add value to Lancaster Baptist Church. That's my job. Our pastor says something that I think every pastor says. Everything we do here, everything, without exception, we do here is geared toward the altar call Sunday morning. Now, you may teach English. You may teach second grade. So how can that apply? In a sense, when you think about it, I'm getting my students' hearts ready for the word so that come Sunday, they're ready to receive that message. That's going to be true with the older students. That's going to be true with the parents, so and I'm going to allude to that. But everything we do is for this local church. Think of the church as the engine of a train, and really as a school, we're just one of the boxcars. We're one of the, the train pulls uh, the supplies around. We're just one of the boxcars. We are not the engine. And this, the church is the most important thing. Uh, again, it comes down to the and some pastors had to realize that if we miss what we're trying to do in the church because of other ministries, then we need to shut those other ministries down and focus back on the church. Well, first of all, I got down here, I can add value by modeling ministry before my church. Remember the Bible teaches us over in 1 Corinthians 14, For as much as ye, for even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek yet ye they may excel to the edifying of the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 12 that I may edify the church. When the pastor hired me, uh, hired Brother Coates, and hired my daughter, my oldest daughter, uh, Alicia Whitman, we all hired in. We all we were all in our first staff meeting together. I remember that. And uh, that was an amazing year. Pastor doubled the staff. We went from three employees to six that year. And, uh, uh, and so we were hired basically to help him. You've heard him talk how he was the janitor, and he, uh, I think it was was neat that uh, it was mentioned this morning that uh, when you met him, he may have had a paintbrush. And I remember him coming to work days in work clothes and out raking, uh, even downtown. And uh, Brother Coach remembers him uh, painting and so on. Uh, So when we came, we really came to help him build Lancaster Baptist Church. The Christian school was simply started to provide for the parents an alternative, and so we were helping him in that area. If Christ died for the church, and that makes the church pretty important. The Bible doesn't say he died for the Christian school. He didn't die for the preschool. It tells us he died for the church. If that be the case, then the church is the main thing. And though I do teach various subjects, my heart ought to be to that local church. Now, A here, I have the first way I can add value uh, personally is by attendance at church and special meetings. Now, I had to think back, attendance at church and special meetings. I'm thinking back in the 1970s and some of the Christian schools I've worked in. It was not that uncommon for sometimes a school teacher to miss school or miss church, especially in the summer. Uh, I don't know, you probably work in a Christian school where you don't get paid in the summer. And sometimes you work on those contracts. I remember those early years when we got into Christian education. You know, come the end of school, there's your last paycheck. And you didn't get paid in the summer. Now, that's okay if, maybe if you're a lady, but you're a guy. I've got to support a family. And uh, my older two older kids, remember the, remember the pilgrims, and the children called that the starving time when they came over? That's what my kids called Oh, we're back into the starving time. I any money. And we lived in a little rural area in, in uh, eastern Tennessee, and it was, it was tough times. And uh, we didn't make a lot of money back then anyway. We praised the Lord. We had a garden. Uh, many times, my oldest daughter, Alicia, would tell, ask mom, what are, we, what are we having for dinner? My, mom, my wife would say, what's in the garden? And we'd go out and get something to eat out of the garden. We didn't have meat every day. And that discourages some people in Christian education. You know, there's a, there is a sacrifice to a certain extent. Now, I have no regrets. My wife, to this day, will tell you that those early days when we had nothing trained my daughter, Angela, for the mission field. When she got to Russia, she was used to having nothing. You know, you, you just have a limited number of clothing. And uh, I remember when she told us she wanted to go make pizza for a family that we were going to have over for a fellowship in the town where they were at, trying to find everything for a pizza in one store was impossible. It took them two months to figure out where to even buy a coat hanger in Russia because they have so few clothes they don't need coat hangers. That's the way they think. But I want to add value. I want to be, i got to be there at church. Now, obviously, you're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sometimes Christian school teachers don't show up at the special meetings. They may miss one of the mission nights. Uh, they're not always real faithful at soul winning. I can't imagine you being a Christian school teacher and not wanting to be a part of that. Uh, I think the philosophy should be that when the uh, when the hinges squeak, I should be there. Pastor makes a big deal once in a while. I didn't think it was a big deal at the time, but we used to have these open house we still have open house Sundays, but we used to do it in May. We used to call them big days. And when we have these, we would do a lot of door knocking for several weeks ahead of time, you know, trying to knock thousands of doors. So we get done with school. We were still in school at that time. We go home, and I think I had probably five, maybe f- at least four kids at home at a time. I'd had five. Uh, the reason I say that, I, my kids are still spread out in age. I have never had all six of my kids live at home at one time. By the time my youngest came along, my oldest was already married. To, so I have a daughter and a grandson that are almost the same age. But I remember we'd bring bring them and every night. Brother Coates did the same thing with his family. We'd come every night, bring our family. we come in for the rally, and we'd go out door knocking night after night. we get back, come to school the next day. You know what? We didn't think in that. just what you do. And you know, people look at that. What? You worked all that day, then you came into... That's what you're supposed to do because I want my church to grow. I want it to to prosper. I'm going to be at these meetings. I'm going to be at the missions conference. I'm going to be at all the meetings. I'm going to be at the regular services, the special meetings, uh, any of the musicals, work days. Uh, I want to be there. Again, that thing, if the church door squeaks, I should be there. I want to be a part of something that's happening. Uh, Secondly, I'm going to be faithful at reaching the lost. I want to be a Christian school teacher that has a passion for souls. If you don't have a passion for souls, you are dead. I have been in ministry. I have worked for some church. I worked for a church. they, they, they eventually just ended their soul winning program. I'd come out and every over a period of time there were fewer and fewer people that came out. It affected that church. But yet the Christian school would grow. Uh, they even got to the point where they canceled a some series of Bible meetings because they had a big basketball tournament coming up, and that's where you get the tail wags the dog. Now, listen, I mentioned to you, and it's reaching the law. Of course, the Bible tells us the Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If God is not willing that any should perish, I should be that way. Now, think about this. If the local church doesn't grow, your job's in jeopardy because ultimately the church pays you. Don't my check says Lancaster Baptist School on it. In reality, I really work for Lancaster Baptist Church. The other is just a bookkeeping issue. Really, I'm under that. And, and, And what happens, if that church doesn't grow, that's going to affect you personally as far as your ministry. If your church doesn't grow, your school's not going to grow. That may be kind of a brutal way to look at it. Here's what the pastor has told. He was told this by Dr. Treber when he went to work for Dr. Treber, and he's told us. And think, I've told you, remember the pastor doubled the staff when we came on? I'm a liability. I didn't think about this till a few years ago. He, when he took us on, he doubled the staff. That was a step of faith in those early days. We didn't have a big church. which are on that little property. He said, you are a liability until you get in 10 tithing families to pay your salary. Isn't that right? You know, you talk about, well, I just got to get families in to pay. No, it's the tithing members. And so what was my obligation? I need to go out and get my paycheck. And my wife did, too. She's full-time here. And we go out and just, our, our goal was to bring folks down the out to build the church. Then ultimately, that would help build our ministry here and help build the Christian school. The tithing members of Lancaster Baptist Church, in a sense, are my employers. They pay my wage. Listen, no Christian school pays for itself. I mean, just be realistic here. If you, if the school wanted to pay for itself, we'd have to. The, 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 the tuition would not be affordable for the average person. We have the lowest tuition here in the Antelope Valley, for a school our size. We have very low tuition here. That's because the church subsidizes it. When I worked for Rebecca Book, I learned there were a lot of Christian schools that were subsidizing the church, and that's not the way it should be. And you know why? And a pastor keeps this school subservient to that in that respect. We are an obligation uh, to the church to keep in mind that it's really the church that we work for. I want to be faithful in reaching the law. So that's going to help me become an educator with ministry heart. And thirdly, and this is a big one, believe it or not, is I want to be faithful in my giving. I want to be faithful in my giving. Some years ago, uh, I was working at a school in Tennessee, and um, where we lived, we were close. We, we would go to workshops down in Pensacola, and we'd go to workshops over at Bob Jones. So one year we went over, and I, I shouldn't probably mention the name of, this, of the organization. We went over there anyway, and um, we were using their curriculum, and we got there, and we were doing the workshops, and um, we were in a, uh, I was in a biology class, and so another teacher and I, we went up to this lady, and she was using all these visuals. And I said, man, these are neat. I said, well, I wish we could use these. She said, so why don't you get them? I said, well, I, I can't afford them. She said, well, that's what you use your tithe for. Our tithe? Well, that's your ministry. You tithe to your ministry. You use your tithe. And the teacher and I looked at each other and said, I don't think that's going to fly at our church. <laughs> Look, my, my tithe is not mine. It's the Lord's. And uh, and it's really, if I want to buy, and I do buy things for the classroom. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, I obviously have limited resources, and we, we get what we need here uh, in the area of visual aids, and that's been very good. But I need to be faithful in my giving. Now, there are several scriptures. There's Luke six thirty-eight. I could give, where you know, uh, given it shall be given unto you. you got 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 2, uh, you know, Give your collection of, to bring it to the storehouse uh, the first of the week. But I think Luke 12, 34 is, would be the ultimate verse for me as a school teacher. For where your treasure is, there your heart be also. As I give to, I, I have an investment in the church. And by the way, that investment is just not to Christian education. I moved here because of this church. pastor didn't hire me. I wasn't looking for a job. I came here, I was the Rebecca book rep. I was living down below. I met the pastor. Uh, when I met him down at 304, I walk, he, he, he had time to see me. I walked in. I remember when I walked in the door, uh, there was Melanie Anderson. He had just hired her. And over in a little room on his side was Tim Butterfield sitting in his office. It had been 23 years later. I told Tim Butterfield, you're still sitting in your office, aren't you, Tim? And, uh, but he was the first staff guy. But I remember walking in, and as I walked in, they didn't have an organ, but they had to sign up, and that's the one that had those squares they talk about, and they just bought the property here. And, um, uh, and he began to talk to me about the ministry here. He talked about how they, they're going to probably start using the balcony. Uh, he took me up to the Clara Doherty room, and they were going to use that. That's where he wanted to have this school. And, and he, he just gave me a tour of that little bit of property that they had downtown. And I knew immediately, over the years, I had been searching for a church where I could raise my family. Now, my oldest daughter was already in college, but I had other children to come along. And then I realized, after all these years, my wife and I had been, we, I mean, we've been working in churches over the years. Yet we never we even were in a church we felt like was giving our young people, our children, what they needed. And when I met the pastor, I said, I just knew this is the place. And so I worked it out because I didn't have this. i just just in this territory here. I was in L.A. And they allowed me to move out of my territory to move here. And I had to drive down. I, I put 250, 300 miles a day just driving uh, the Territory for Rebecca Book. And they graciously let me do that. And we became involved in the church here. And uh, it was the wisest move I ever made uh, to bring my family up in this particular church. So I came here just for the church. I remember when, the, when my wife and I joined, we thought, boy, this is a small church. We can just kind of sit back and relax. We've been busy in bigger churches. We thought this would be nice to have a small church to relax in. It lasted a week, and I had a lead singing in his Sunday school class, and it's been <laughs> moved on ever since then. But my heart's here. My tithe is not mine. I, I want to model. I want to be a model. I want to add value to the church by my financial giving. Now, look, I know you don't make a lot as a Christian educator. You know what? The, I think the number one problem in Christian education with teachers who claim they don't make enough, they just don't know how to budget their money. Come on. I... If I'm doing what God wants me to do, and they're paying me all they can pay me, then the two must are going to have to work out. I, I've never starved. There were some lean times, but I think they were the making of my family. I was talking to my son uh, when he, a while back, and my wife and I were just reminiscing on some things, and Andrew said uh, said to us, and he was pretty young when we he was about. We came to church here. He was 10, so he was probably about 6 or 7 when we moved to California. He said, I, I never knew we were poor. I thought we had it great where we lived. I said, Andrew, why would you think we were poor? I get tired of, of ba- teachers who badmouth their finances. Well, they just don't pay me anything. I just don't make much money. And I'm not in the ministry for the money. I, I took a vow. I would never let finances affect where I work for the Lord i have been a few times I thought I might fudge on that. But God has always, always taken care of us. You know what? You just be patient. I can't even tell you all the places I've been in the world and somebody else has paid for it. I never thought I'd do that. I just, you know, wait on the Lord. But I want to be faithful in that giving. I want to give to the Lord what's his. So not only can I add value to my church, but I want it to be a blessing to my family as well. Secondly, I can add value and I can help my ministry I can add value to the church by modeling ministry before my students. I just don't go in there and, and teach chemistry, and then when it's over, shoot home. I've got to model this. First of all, A here, I have to encourage my students by talking to them at church. We have the privilege here that we have a. We have a uh, you have to be a member of the church to go to our school. But I've worked in other schools where I, the kids didn't all go to our church. But I wanted to know that in church, this, we're a family here. I, I want to be friendly with them. I want to talk with them. I want to encourage them. You know, Proverbs tells us a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. And even in a, a local church setting, uh, I have a chance where I can be personal. Now, let me give you a statement here. Our pa- our pastor gave this. He, he's, these are not original with him, but Pastor Chapel said something one time at a staff meeting that has affected me. And you probably have heard this a thousand times. It was new to me several years ago. People do not know what you, do not care what you know until they know you care. People do not care what you know until they know you care. You know, you come in and you're, getting, you're going to be a school teacher and you come in that classroom and you have all that knowledge and you think when you get in there they're just going to sit there and just can't wait till you pour it out on them. And it doesn't work that way. You know, how many, how many books have girls reading love rom, uh, Christian romance books have I pulled out of middle of chemistry books? Or the girl that will do the Mary Kay makeup. I had a girl who used to lay it out on the desk. Uh, I used to watch it and she put it all back away. Or, or some guy trying to hide his phone and text and, and all different things. You know, they're not in there excited that I'm teaching that class. Well, I'm going to tell you what affects a student. If you really know, they know that you love them, they will listen to you. They don't care what you know, but they do want to know that you do care for them. And that's probably the number one key to teaching. And that's why when I'm at church, I want to be an encourager to them. I want to laugh with them. They need to be rebuked. I rebuke them in school, but I want them to know I love them. And that comes to the second point here. I can have a ministry heart and help my church by training students. By I have down here training students by encouraging them to take part in church ministries training students by encouraging them to take part in church ministries. I was naive at one time. I thought that every student that came to Lancaster Baptist Church and Lancaster Baptist School, I just assumed they loved this church. You, if some of you have taught in the length of time, you know that when some students graduate, they disappear. But you know what it is? I think in some students, this is their parents' church. This is where they take me to church. It's not my church. Don't assume that. So you're going to have to encourage... In our church, the parents are required to come. You know, they signed his oath. You know, they're going to come Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They're going to tithe, and they're going to do all these things. They don't. Most of them do. Don't follow me. The majority of them do. You're going to have some who don't. They they start missing here, and they miss here. And, you know, my little sister was sick, so we all had to stay home. Or this or that. I've encouraged the teenagers, and I know many of our teenagers come, Uh, who who don't have parents that come at night for one reason or another. Or they don't come. I I asked a boy one time, were you here last night? And uh, no, my parents didn't come. Uh, I encouraged them to get a ride. There may be a legitimate reason why mom and dad don't come, whatever it might be. Uh, I, I trained my children that if we're going to church and we get home late, we may not get supper that night. There's nothing wrong with training kids. You know, ministry comes first. We'll eat when we get home. And they've gotten used to that. My poor daughter, Allegra, just graduated. It's not a comedy even this year. My wife and I and I get home maybe till close to 6 o'clock. You know, we're trying to tie up loose ends. Then we've got to be back here for so many, saying 30 minutes. We got ready, and we just didn't eat. We ate when we got home. It doesn't hurt your kids. And we need to get these kids and encourage them that they need to be part of church ministries. Uh, helping, helping them get involved. You know, the Bible tells us, take heed, brethren, lest there be any of you uh, ha, uh, an evil heart, have an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you harden through the deceitfulness of sins. In other words, when I'm, in, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to push a missions conference. I'm going to encourage them coming out to soul winning. And we do make a lot we encourage our students in that area by making provision for that. But you know how the best way to do that is that third point here. Show them how to serve by including them in your ministries. Teachers in our school are very good about taking out some of the young people soul winning. It's quite something to take out a young man soul winning on a Saturday morning. You get to go out and show him how to door knock, and then you just get to talk to him. Uh, one of our teachers here, Joe Wheaton, uh, came from a broken home. His dad was faithful here, but uh, the, the marriage had broken, and his dad stayed, and there was Joe. And I remember Joe in high school and even in college. i I take him soul winning. Now he, t- he teaches. He's one of the teachers here. And there's been several like that. You just take them with you. Our, our ladies are very good about taking some of the uh, elementary. They take three or four elementary students and just take them out on a Saturday and go out and make some visits. Uh, include them into anything that you do here in the ministry. Uh, you could take uh, somebody to make a hospital visit. Uh, some of our ladies take the young girls to visit shut-ins and widows. You know, show them how to do ministry. You never know when some of them might say, "I want to do that." Now, here's the thing: you need to be doing it yourself. You know, I, 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 we have some people here that went to another Bible college and they were big pushers on soul winning. And I thought the staff at this particular Bible college and church went soul winning all the time, and they tell me, no, we just had to go this one day, and once we did it, we were done. Well, it was not the image I conveyed from this ministry. And that's, I, I, I'm just not, you know, I don't do my little ditty Tuesday night or Saturday morning, but I want to, when I do, whatever I do, I want to try to include people and mentor them in that area. The Bible tells us in Proverbs, and say, how have I hated instruction, and in my heart decides reproof. And have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor I incline my ear to them that instruct me. Over the years, uh, students, you know, in the three decades we've taught, we've had students come back and see us. They never talk about my great teaching. Now, they do my wife's great teaching. and They never say anything about mine. But they do say something that really warms my heart. They just say, hey, you've always were there. You were always faithful. You're still doing what you always did. If they want to find us, they know where to find it. We're doing where we're always in our place. That's what I want to model. You know what happens? It helps me have that ministry heart. Let me finally here number three, or you fall asleep. I know you're tired. I know you're tired. I can add value by modeling ministry before my students, parents, parents. I figured this thing out after a while. It took me about fifteen to twenty years to figure out. Hey, I'm not just teaching kids. I'm teaching their parents. Kids are different today than they used to be. When I first started teaching, and, and, and I'm, I'm the post-war baby boom, okay? I'm the guy that you have to work for to support my Medicare, all right? I'm in my 60s. And um, you work hard, so the Medicare will be there for me. Now, what happens to you is your business. Now, now listen to me. When I grew up, and the, gener- my first, gen- the first generation we taught in the 1970s, we trained everything we trained our children that everything is done for the sake of the family. The family was the center and the children did everything for the benefit of the family. That's not the case today. Today the training is we do everything for the kids. Everything's kids centered. You know, parents, they go to all the games. Oh my kids expect me to be at the games. They expect me to do this, they expect me to do that. And They do these Disneyland trips, and they will go in debt, and they got all these all these fancy things. My my daughter's always wanted a coach purse. I didn't know what a coach purse. I thought it was something with wheels. I didn't know what it was. Usually, ladies know what a coach is. Well, her her big sister got her a a small affordable coach purse for her graduation. So the other day, I picked it up. and She said, "Dad, be careful! No, that's a coach." <laughs> what am I gonna do to it? it? Looks like a purse to me. They all look. Wait three or four years, and it'll be at the thrift store. You can pick it up there. But the thing is, that's like those Agner purses. I one that had the A on it. I don't know if you guys remember. You may be too young. I remember we had a girl in school when I was teaching intensity. Paid $60 for a purse. I never had $60 to put in a purse. She paid $60. Now you get those at thrift stores. I always think that's funny. Now, listen. I'm having to train parents. As someone said, I am teaching children now who are being taught by children by parents who are taught by Spock. You know, Dr. Spock was big in the 60s and 70s. The, the parents I work with now were trained under that philosophy, therefore they're training those, their children that way. They don't want to, as, as Brother Schmidt said in a meeting one time, to parents: Why is it you never want to make your children unhappy? Parents don't want to say no to their children. They they don't want to. They they want to. Uh, Years ago, of, you know, I never had parents come talk to me. Now, parents are at my door all the time, emailing me. How come so-and-so did this? How come this? How come this? I, you know what? It would excite me if I started talking to dads. I, I talked to so many mothers. I, I wish we are getting more and more where we're having mothers dominate the home, and I think it's affecting the kids. You know, mothers come in and ask me questions. Now, how does my child do this science fair report? He can't speak. He doesn't know how to talk to me. Well, I just want to know how to do it. Well, you know, I tell them. But what about the manual I sent home with him? Why are you speaking for your t- See what I'm saying? Yeah, I don't, want my, I don't want my kid to be stressed. I used to tell my kids when I had science fair reports. Andrew was always the best. He waited till midnight before it was due. He told me, Dad, I do my best work in the middle of the night. <laughs> you should see my garage floor where all the paint is, where he painted his boards. You know, I, I would tell my children, parents come in and say, Well, our kid's got too much homework. I used to tell my children, when you get done with your homework, be sure you turn the light on. I'm going to bed. Parent, You tell a parent that today, and they're like, you're it's wrong. can't do that. My kids forget. Brother Coates and I, you laugh at this. We forgot our lunch at school. My kids forgot their lunch. And they get to school, oh, man, I forgot my lunch. We just said supper will taste better. No, parents today, will go to McDonald's and bring you a lunch. Come on. Help your kid grow up. You know what? I gotta help my parents. How can I do that? A. Show parents that ministry involvement can happen with busy schedules. Here, our church members, bless their heart, many of them get up three and four in the morning. They gotta drive. They gotta drive to LA. When we first came to this church. I asked somebody, "Where do you work?" And he said, "We work down below. You shovel coal for the devil? You, know, you work down below? Yeah, I know what do you mean?" Or they said, where do you work? We work over the hill. Okay. Then I met. L.A. is lower than sea level, so, you know, we're going down. But I didn't know what. I worked down below. I'm thinking, what is down below? That's the first time I we went to Tennessee where we're going to have a – got a family in a church. We're going to give them a pounding. I'm thinking, what did they do? We've got to beat them up, you know. Then I figured out a pounding is you bring a pound of this, you, you, you gave them a food basket is what a and I didn't know what a pounding was. I was just naive. At first – when I was a kid somebody I worked in a grocery store, somebody said, Would you give me a poke? You know. I thought, I gotta punch you and then I found the poke was a paper bag. I didn't know what that meant. I need to help my parents. Now listen, they're busy. And so I can work with these. I'm gonna model this man. How can I do that? Take them soul winning. Make them a soul winning partner. Encourage them in church. I, when I get to church, I try not to get it last night. I try to get it early, and I w- I'm a wanderer. I just move around the auditorium. I want to talk to people. I want to know where they're at. Because remember now, as you're a Christian school teacher, you're also eyes and ears for the pastor. pastor cannot, in this ministry, he cannot know what's going on. Now, he tends to, but he may not know what somebody's struggling, and then I can relay that to the pastor or to the adult teacher or what it is. I want to I want to give that So I'm going to model by by showing them that parents, that you can be busy and still be a part uh, of that local church. Uh, I, I have down here Titus 2, 6 through 7. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he may, that is of the contrary part, may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. Probably the the parents that are the most unhappy with me, one thing I've noticed, they tend to be the least often do I see them in church. Uh, I don't tend to see them at soul winning. They're criticizing me for perhaps the way I graded a paper, a science fair project, or so on. And they're really worried about the fact that their child can't be on a football team. And yet here's a dad who I have never seen him take his son soul winning. I've encouraged dads to do that. Or, or a mother take their daughter's soul winning. And I think if we don't encourage our parents to become involved in ministry, become involved in church. And, and, and this thing, oh, I'm just so busy. Time management's a key. B here, I'm going to finish up. Encourage your parents uh, to be active in church. They'll do the least they have to do to keep their child in. You encourage them. Call them. Send them a note. Look for them. I've gone on Sunday. Say, hey, wasn't that wasn't that Tuesday night meeting at the missions conference great? And you know they weren't there. And you encourage him along that line. I want to, I want them to know. I want to see them there. I want to encourage him with that. I want them to be active in the church. There are a number, of course. Obviously, Hebrews ten twenty five forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Uh, Acts four two forty two. Uh, This this stays steadfast in the apostle's doctrine, the baking of bread. Uh, Nehemiah, let me read this one to you. Nehemiah 8, and verse 1. And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord hath commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Now listen, they stood, men and women and children. Verse 3, and he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until the midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Sometimes you, you come to a missions conference and you look around and you don't see your students, because their parents aren't there. And here's their argument. Well, the conference gets over late, and my child's got to get their sleep. Okay. that You can't... What are we teaching our children? That personal comfort becomes before ministry? No wonder so many young people don't go into the ministry. No wonder they don't do anything for the Lord. My personal comfort is secondary to my work for the Lord. But you know what? I've got to help my parents with that. Make them accountable. I've got to encourage them. Give them a call. And sometimes I can do that through the children. If the children are excited, I'll get the parents excited. And finally here, helping parents add value. Helping parents add value to their local church by helping them bring others to Christ. In other words, help them be soul winners. You You have to come back to that you can tell the temperature spiritually of somebody where they're at and when it comes to that soul winning issue. If you get them right on soul winning, they're going to they're be right on other things because their treasure should be in bringing other people down the aisle. I could think in our church, some of the men that I knew when I first came and we go out soul winning, now they don't go soul winning anymore. And you know what? It affects the children. It affects them. I never trained my children, never told my children one time they had to go into the ministry, never. My oldest daughter went into nursing. I don't want to be critical of Alicia, but she's got the compassion of Attila the Hun, my oldest daughter. And when she said she was going to be a nurse, I'm thinking, whoa, for the poor person, you give a shot too. She went through nursing school, passed her California boards, and pastor asked her, could you give me one year, the school had grown, could you give me one year of teaching, and you could go, nursing. It's been 18 years ago, or 19 years ago. She's still never nursed, nurse, still teaching. I never told her she had to go to ministry. I never said that to any of my children. But you know what happened? It was just a modeling. There are some young people on our staff here, and I, we have some that come back to our conference. And one of the things they'll say, you know, we watched you, and we wanted to be like you. And how are they going to be like us? We're modeling the ministry. They knew our heart and our passion was the local church. Now listen, I've been in this thing a long time, and I've seen a lot of Christian school teachers. They do their little thing in their classroom, and that's it. It's, their heart is not the church. This summer, I get to do a lot more visiting with the church, and I'm not, a, you know, not as tied into the school as much. You know what? I love that. Because the number one thing God called me to do was to help my pastor build this church for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. If it could be sweeping a parking lot, if it could be teaching a class, whatever it is, I want to model that. And if I don't have a ministry heart, then I should just go be a secular school teacher. I should just go teach in one of these Christian schools, like we have here in town, where the kids don't go into ministry. They just go into all these other occupations. I want to model ministry, and I want people to know that I love this church. The dearest friend I have in the world is my pastor. And I want to do everything I can to lift his burden up. I want to help my principal because he's got a heavy task. I want to help lift his burden. And I can do that by modeling ministry.
0: Thank you for listening to the Ministry 127 podcast. Today's lesson was on becoming an educator with a ministry heart with Ken Jones. This podcast was designed to equip spiritual leaders to grow in the Word and develop a biblical philosophy of ministry for today's local church. Be sure to let a friend know about ministry127.com. Also, for Christ-honoring publications, please visit strivingtogether.com for resources that encourage spiritual growth and the local church ministry. Thank you for listening to this ministry127 podcast.